Strawberry Spring, based on a short story by Stephen King. Is someone there? No, 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 don't! Help! There was a murder on the campus. Hello? Henry, have you heard the news? Yeah, just now on the radio. There was a murder on campus. spring Jack is back. Produced by Audio Up Media and iHeartRadio. Listen to Strawberry Spring on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey everyone, it's Megan Trainer, And I'm a big bro, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> and we're starting a podcast. It's called Working On It. And we're working on just bettering ourselves overall as human beings. Listen, you're just going to get a behind-the-scenes look at our lives. We're just regular people. Just regular people in Hollywood. <laughs> We're going for it. Episodes drop every Wednesday, and we can't wait for you to listen. iHeartRadio is number one for podcasts, and it's easy to see why. Listen to Working On It on the iHeart app or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Khalil Gibran Muhammad. And I'm Ben Austin. We're two best friends. One black. One white. I'm a historian. And I'm a journalist. And this is some of my best friends are. As in, hmm. I'm not a racist. Some of my best friends are. Dot, dot, dot. Dot, dot, dot. In this show, we wrestle with the challenges and the absurdities of a deeply divided and unequal country. Listen to some of my best friends are on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If for whatever reason I stop taking the Rogaine, the clock doesn't continue, doesn't re-pick up ticking. Right. Whether it's gone backwards or stayed there, the clock speeds up rapidly (laughs) to get to the moment where you would have been when you stopped taking it. Wow. So I was like, so wait a second. I'm super young. It's 20 years from now. I'm still spraying this shit on my head. And then I'm like, oh, I don't want to do this anymore. Maybe it didn't help me. Maybe I'm a percentage person. It didn't really help. And then I stop. And then one weekend you have flash balding. Then you're done. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, talk. Talking bald, yeah. No hairdos, no shampoos, interviews, only on bald talk. Hello and welcome to Bald Talk, the podcast on which two bald comedians interview bald comedians actors, directors, writers, or really anyone bald about being bald. I am Charlie Sanders, and I am bald. And I am Brian Husky, or as Charlie Sanders refers to me, the Husk Man, which I'm going to get uh, put on the back of like a, a like a sateen jacket or something. <laughs> Your license plate. My license plate. I'm going to get it like on my towels and stuff. Um, and Charlie, I don't know if you have noticed after all this time together, but I am also bald. I have noticed and I'm excited about that. But uh, Great. It's because that's what the podcast is about. Is it? I think so. <laughs> um, well, you know, this works out really well, Brian, because our guest today is also bald, thank God. He starred as Kevin on NBC's The Office, but you've also seen him on many, many things, to list a few. The Goldbergs, Law & Order, Scream Queens, Four Christmases, License to Wed, and he's the host of his own podcast, The Office Deep Dive, with Brian Baumgartner. Huskman, guess what? Yeah, oh yeah, that's me. Huskman. Our Our guest today is Brian Baumgartner. Brian, welcome to Bald Talk. Thank you so much. So you only interview people that are bald. We've made a few exceptions along the way out of desperation. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Not desperation, an exploration of what the human experience can be. Um, 
but yeah, that's pretty much the uh, the launching pad. <laughs> okay. Um, and I imagine that almost every podcast you go on, that's all they want to talk about, right? I mean, <laughs> right? It's just it's just bald, 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 bald. Well, I have a distinctive head that gets mentioned <laughs> occasionally, but not specifically that. I um no I'm fascinated by so you ha- you can find enough guests. Let me ask you this. If if somebody wears a toupee or wig, do they qualify as being bald? Is yeah. it about the inside or the outside? Inside, big time. Inside, I yeah. Think. Okay. But, you know, it's interesting. we have not if someone has had work or wears a piece and stuff, they don't they don't want to be on here. Like Well, girls do. Girls do. Yes, we've had we've had we've some had two bald women that wear wigs on. Yeah. Um, one woman who was a, a professional wig maker. Uh, but yeah, the, the dudes, uh, if, you know, if they kind of like, if they're, if they're going to go the distance and, and wear the stuff or get the stuff done, they don't talk about it very much. Interesting. Um, yeah. yeah. All right. So you haven't had Ted Danson. We have not, <laughs> not yet. We've not had Ted Danson. We have not had Paul Simon. Uh, <laughs> Open invitation though, guys. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We did want to. We did want to get uh, Jason Alexander because mm-hmm. he was bald, and then he was not bald, and now he's back to bald. Uh, but uh, yeah, for some reason, it's not happening. So if you know him, I mean, basically, this is just a networking amongst bald people. <laughs> yeah, if you can hook us up, we're down. if you see him at any of the guild meetings or <laughs> the you know guild. the mixers that we have, I'll let him know. All yeah. right, perfect. Yeah, great. And you know what? Actually, one of our guests that we had who might shock you to be one of our guests was Ed Helms. Okay. Yeah. Your office, uh, you're the office buddy. Yeah. Cause he's getting the wings. He's starting to get the little indentations. So, so that counts. That counts. That counts. Yes. Well, really we okay. were kind of, we were coming at him hard. Like we're like, what's it like to have so much hair and so much good hair? Yeah. We were a little aggressive. Yeah. Maybe it turns out. It's great. <laughs> it sounds like it's great. Yeah. <laughs> but you guys have a history, right? I mean, you guys go all the way back to high school. We go all the way back to high school. Yes. Oh, damn. That's crazy. Yes. And and we were friends and and our parents were friends. And Wow. Um, yeah. So it wasn't just like a random guy. Like, yeah, we did plays together. In fact, somewhere here around my office, I have a picture of the two of us that oh, man. the high, the oh, high school cool. gave me of, of us in a play together. So, yeah. Oh, man. That's awesome. Very cool. Nice. I love Ed. I've known Ed since, I mean, I guess as long as Husky has probably from... 2001-ish on. Um, we did a bunch of sketch comedy together and stuff, and he's a lovely person. He is a great guy. Yeah. A truly great guy. Yeah. That's so nuts. Is that anything, like, when you guys were both on that show, did you ever have, I mean, I'm sure you had that thing. I was like, this is insane. Like, did do you ever have those conversations growing up? You're like, someday we're going to be, you know, sitcom <laughs> dreams. <laughs> no. And, you know, he he just took, uh, he just took a totally different path right. uh, than I did. So we we had kind of lost touch. I mean, not in like an aggressive way, just like, you know, he kind of stayed real East Coast. I went to school at SMU in Dallas, and then I just hit the ground doing theater. Mm-hmm. So I, I was doing theater, uh, regional theater, uh, touring in New York, but I, I was really in that, and he was uh, focused much more on comedies, right. more uh, stand-up, improv, music, and, you know, was living in New York and then did The Daily Show, but which, which at the time was just a very different circle than I was running in. So mm-hmm. to answer your question, we were, we shot 
a series of videos. We called them the webisodes, which was, if you go all the way back then, it was kind of the first time that any show had shot like supplemental what? We're a primetime television show. What yeah. are we doing? But videos for the web. And so it was the summertime in between seasons uh, seasons two and three. And I was doing uh, talking head. So I was doing like a direct address to the camera. We were filming. Mm-hmm. And I guess we paused or whatever. And Greg Daniels came walking through. This was on in the office. And suddenly right behind him was Ed Helms. And I didn't, my brain didn't go like, oh, there's Ed Helms of The Daily Show. Like, I, it was like that, that whole, I had, went out of my head. And I just was like, I'm having a flashback. Why is my, why is my friend from high school walking <laughs> through <Am I> dreaming? <laughs> Dunder Mifflin? Like, no, it truly was just well. this weird. And I stopped, I stopped, uh, I stopped filming. And I was like, Ed, what? You know, we cut and I said hello and. And, you know, he obviously told me later that he was there to meet with Greg Daniels about joining the show in season three. So, uh, yeah, it was crazy, crazy. But we we had a lot of fun, you know, scenes we got to shoot together and stuff. And Mm -hmm. um, and and yeah, just crazy. And John Krasinski and B.J. Novak, they went to the same high school. I don't think they were as close. Right. Um, They did. That's crazy. They went to the same high school too. Wow, yeah. I kinda, it sounds like that's part of Greg Daniels' casting process. Like, <laughs> yes. he go, hey, can he you recommend through, me someone from your high school? Yeah. He goes through yearbooks. He's like, all right, let's pair these guys up. Rain, Rain, who went to high school with yeah. you in uh, <laughs> Seattle? Yeah. Oh, you're homeschooled? Oh no. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. Well, yeah. I guess I got to cast your mom on the show. <laughs> well, I went to high school with uh, Colton Dunn and Nick Swartzen. We were all in the same comedy group together. Yeah. Really? Yeah. yeah. Where was that? L.A.? Uh, St. Paul, Paul, Minnesota. Oh, that's right. That's right. Nick is, uh, that's right. Yeah, they were uh, a couple years older than me, but we were all good buddies. The closest I've gotten to that is my buddy Bo Webb is a cameraman, and he ended up being a camera operator on Veep. Like, so when I was doing, like, from season three on, he just was suddenly there. And I was like, oh, my God. Wow. That's That's crazy. But we, you know, prior to that, we had only done, like, terrible sort of, like, VHS-based uh, you know, like videos at his lake house and stuff. They're like <laughs> right. faux murder mysteries and stuff. Um, well, Charlie, so- sorry to interrupt, but I, I don't know if you know this or not, because I forgot about that. I, I know Nick a bit, but um, when I was doing theater, I, my home was actually Minneapolis. No way. So really? I spent, yeah. So I spent uh, some years after college and I, like I said, I started touring around and was kind of doing that regional theater circuit so like shows at the guthrie or oh shit you performed at the guthrie yeah and that's theater amazing. de la june loon in minneapolis and the then, june loon holy shit that's crazy i did uh i can't tell if you're joke is that a joke is that a bit or you no, know no no no, no i just know those theater he gets I went, excited. oh okay 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 no no i got excited yeah, i went yeah. and saw plays there all the time i'm, I'm no yeah psyched. i probably did i probably did uh i don't know eight to ten shows at june loon and oh, then, wow. i love that theater. and then started traveling around um in different cities but that was still sort of my home um as it were where'd you live uptown oh dude i love uptown that's amazing yeah this is like our last segment where uh where Jim Rash is from Charlotte, North Carolina. Oh, yes, I am from. Right, yeah. and we started having this conversation about Charlotte, and Charlie's just sitting there. She's like, cool. <laughs> uh, no, I saw plays at all those theaters. I don't know if people know, but it has like an amazing theater scene. It, yeah, it does. I think, I mean, I don't know anymore. This is obviously a number of years ago, but it was like 
per capita more theaters and shows of any city in the country except for New York. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah. That's surprising. I thought Chicago would have that honor. No, they have a great, they have a great support of the arts. They do a lot of funding, uh, Mm -hmm. have a lot of foundation support, Target and Honeywell and, uh, God, this I'm we're we're we are we are we're literally deep, dive. deep diving back to. <laughs> it's been a few years, but uh, yeah, no, I I was I was based there for a while. Now, now the truth is, I I I wasn't a fan, mm-hmm. but I I liked things about it. I but I was you know I was from Atlanta. I was from the South and school in Texas, and I you know I knew the, the winter. North oh, yeah, it was, it was, it's yeah. so brutal. I was going to so say, brutal. that's the thing that's like, yeah. <laughs> I don't think I could, I don't think I could hang with that. Oh, it's so brutal. It gets to like negative 40. Like we would get school off because it was too cold to walk to the bus. It's insane. Yeah. Don't they have a, uh, like a series of underground, you know, walk overground walk systems? Yeah, overground. I don't know what you call it, but it's like a tunnel, but it's like a little tube you walk through to get from one building to the I other. I think we're going to have to have that in LA pretty soon with the heat. We're just oh going to have God, these yeah. like AC you know, tunnels, AC tunnels, AC tunnels. Yeah. That's really cool, man. I I'm, I'm psyched. You uh, lived in Minneapolis for a while, yeah. but, uh, I did comedy. What, what years were you there by the way? Um, well, it's a difficult question only because I really started traveling around mostly, but that's like where my address was your base. But I was, right. I was there, uh, 95 to 2002, three. Oh, that's like when me and Nick and Colton were all doing comedy sports. Yeah. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. We, we may have crossed paths. Who knows? I'm sure. <laughs> oh man. If you had gone the way of Ed, you, maybe you guys would have crossed paths a little bit more. I know. Yeah. I know. <laughs> we would do Acme comedy club. You probably know Acme. Yep. Of course. Yeah. So, uh, let me ask this. So you're, you're starting out on your theatrical journey, your acting journey, where, what was happening with hair? then and was it when it started to go where you're like oh god i'm an actor what do i so do you, re- you're, you really stay on topic i like it um <laughs> oh yeah i'll tell you i um i have i have no proof of this but there's a few theater things but i don't think there's a large enough case study for anybody to really care to do the work <laughs> to to decide if i'm right or not um i had hair i was in a production the last year in college and I played an older man and part of what they did was uh, they thinned my hair and there was a lot of makeup that old Ben Nye, I think it's called. Now, I don't want to get sued by Ben Nye, but <laughs> like a lot of stuff. And it, I just found that it never kind of came back. So I don't know if I like exacerbated the problem or This is exactly what Jim Rash shared with us. That's that the he, second time we've heard that is that the chemicals I are feel like we might have some litigation. I think my, you <laughs> might have a lawsuit. Yeah, you might be able to sue. That's so weird. Yeah, I and so I uh, actually before I keep going on the hair, I'm going to my other theory is you know, people talk about um Rock concerts, venue, music venues, right? Like the speakers will make your ears go or whatever. Yeah. Give you tinnitus. Yeah. I wasn't a, I wasn't a rock star, but <laughs> I think those old Leco theater lights uh, screwed up my eyes also. Oh, really? Everyone, uh, in, everyone in my family has good eyes. There's not. Yeah. And I have a very strange, by the way, we're really sharing. I have a very, <laughs> I have a very strange, like kind of weird night blindness, like 
depth perception thing. Yes. Like if the lights are off in a room and I'm trying to walk through it, it's like I don't know where I am or even a little bit of light. Like there's something to me is clearly messed up because of that. But anyway, I don't want Lico to sue me either, but um, <laughs> we're all getting sued for something. Dude, yeah. I have the exact same thing. With the night, the night blindness stuff. Yes, the night. Yeah, when I'm in like a hotel back in the years, the days when we could go to hotels. Mm-hmm. Like if I got up in the middle of the night to use the restroom or something, I'm like flailing around like yeah. a maniac, like having no clue. It's, and because it, it's a change, so yeah. But uh, the hair. So I. <laughs> it's a true story. I actually know the guy's name too because <laughs> my dad was actually a, a a doctor, an MD, and and he was a friend of his. But so this started happening. And I went to, by the way, I don't want Rogaine to sue me either, but <laughs> I went to. We'll take the hits. This, this was my understanding. And this is a, a number of years ago. I went to a dermatologist and he gave me at the time. I don't know if it's still, you had to have a prescription for Rogaine. And this is how it was explained to me. Okay. So I started taking it and it smelled horrible. Again, this is a long time ago. I, maybe it's beautiful now, but. It smelled horrible to me. It's not cheap. <laughs> oh, really? And yeah. so, or it wasn't cheap. I should all, say all this in the past tense. So I started using it. And here's how it was explained to me. You know, you're listening to me. You can't see me. But imagine a clock. Okay. So these stats might be slightly wrong. But your hair loss is a clock. 70% of the people, the clock will stop. And you won't lose any more hair. And then... or something can actually rewind the clock and give you hair growth. Again, stats may not be exactly accurate, but that's, that's my recollection. Mm -hmm. And then in 10%, it doesn't, it doesn't work. The clock keeps ticking. The clock keeps ticking. Right. But here is the salient point. (laughs) If you stop taking the Rogaine at whatever time, And again, I'm a young man at this point. I'm still young, but I was a young (laughs) man at this point. So if in 10 years, say, I feel like, oh, I haven't really lost any more hair or blah, blah, blah. If for whatever reason I stop taking the Rogaine, the clock doesn't continue, doesn't re-pick up ticking, right? Whether it's gone backwards or stayed there, the clock speeds up rapidly (laughs) to get to the moment where where you would have been, this is how it was explained to me, when you stopped taking it. So I was like, so wait a second. I'm super young. It's 20 years from now. I'm still spraying this shit on my head. And then I'm like, oh, I don't want to do this anymore. Maybe it didn't help me. Maybe I'm a percentage person. It didn't really help. And then I stop. And then one weekend you have flash balding. Again, you're done. <laughs> yes. It's it, like you're in the same place. And I just went, I cannot do this for the rest of my life. I had the same thing. Like I was that like, was you. I, okay. I was invested. I was like, it was starting to happen when I was in high school. And then in college, I was like losing my mind over it. And I was like, oh, look into it. And it was expensive for me, you know, because I didn't have any insurance and stuff. It, I had heard it had like side effects um, and then it was just like, yeah, that had been explained. It's like, yeah, you got to keep doing it. And just, I was like, forever, forever. And I just like, I don't want to be pumping this yeah, stuff into my system, you know? <laughs> yeah. I haven't, yeah. I haven't committed to a long-term relationship, <laughs> but my first long-term relationship is going to be with Rogaine here <laughs> yeah, at completely. age, whatever. I'm like, no, I, this is not. I, so I just stopped. I just stopped. And I, I don't, 
I, I don't remember. You got a three pack and I didn't even get through that. And I just yeah. was like, yeah, I'm, I'm done with it. I wonder if they've got, and it's, you know, it's insane that we don't know this. And I think it's because Charlie and I have never been like, oh, I think we'll investigate what's going on with stuff now. But, you know, they have that stuff like hymns and they have these other, yeah. they have these other sort of like topical or like uh, oral ones that I think are much less invasive and stuff. But I imagine they probably didn't crack the clock code. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Unless they, unless it reframes your genetic coding. It's like, yes, well, I mean, you'll grow a third armpit, but the hair is wonderful. <laughs> Where would that be between <laughs> your shoulders? <laughs> well, you brought up Jason Alexander. So I didn't, but <laughs> he's going to sue us. I just, yeah, that, I mean, at least for me at this point, like, I think it's way weirder. Yeah. If I suddenly, suddenly have a big old head of hair. You show up yeah. on set with long yeah. hair. Yeah. Talking bald, This episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Football is back. And the best bet you can make is downloading the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It doesn't matter if you're new to gambling or an old pro. FanDuel has something for everyone. And as an official sports betting partner of the NFL, you know your bets are safe. There's also never been a better time to use FanDuel. Because right now, you'll get up to $1,000 back if your first bet doesn't win. You can even turn a small wager into a big payday with a same-game parlay bet. Just sign up with the promo code SPOTIFY to place your first bet risk-free on FanDuel Sportsbook. Download FanDuel today. 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. Refund issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. I want to get back to being in my community group. I want to continue having a soccer season. So I can throw parties again. <laughs> so I can go to her parties. <laughs> It'd really be nice to dine in instead of getting delivery for a change. So I can feel safe and protected for myself and my students. We each have our own reason for why we're getting vaccinated against COVID-19. What will yours be? Visit GetVaccineAnswers.org for information on the COVID-19 vaccines. It's up to you. Brought to you by the Ad Council. Hi, I am Rashawn McDonald, the host of Money Making Conversations podcast. Yes, I speak to celebrities, CEOs, and industry leaders. And yes, they do tell me the secrets to their success. And I help secure amazing guests on my show because I got relationships, including Tyler Perry, Stephen A. Smith, Lonnie Love, Cedric the Entertainer, Patti LaBelle, Nick Cannon, Angela Yee, and many more. And my background is a two-time Emmy Award-winning producer, sitcom writer, and stand-up comedian. So if you want to be successful in life, this is the podcast for you. Each week, I remind you to lead with your gifts in order to build your success story. And you never know, my next celebrity might be you. And those conversations will always be with CEOs, entrepreneurs, and industry decision makers on this podcast. And the podcast name, Money Making Conversation. This is Rashawn McDonald. Listen to Money Making Conversation on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, the way, Brian, the way you described the ticking clock of the hairline sounded like a sci-fi movie. <laughs> yes. And we should all do a sci-fi movie that's about a person that's trying to restore their hair and it clicks in too fast. <laughs> yeah, that's going to sell. Will gets a piece of that. Yeah. Will Ferrell gets a taste if we make that movie. Oh, man. So were you, were you freaked out like as an actor and stuff? You know, because we talked to like Stephen Tobolowsky. He was like, oh, okay. I just, I, I thought I was going to be a leading man. 
And I was like, now I'm a character actor. He just was like, as mm. long as I get to act, I don't care. Um, no, I was always more of a character actor anyway. Yeah. So I, that, that didn't really change. I mean, I think early on, because let's face it. I mean, truly theater is so, so difficult and it really is a young person's game. And I mean mm-hmm. that like, not even as a joke, like yeah. eight shows a week. Oh, it's so um, much. no, no days off except Monday. And who has Mondays off? It's like, yeah. you know, like you, it is, it is really, really difficult. It's difficult on your personal life. It's difficult, like, you know, for everything. And so I, I feel like in some ways starting out, yeah, it just was something distinctive for me that helped. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was, I was immensely talented as well. Don't get me wrong. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, there was some, I could play roles that I was younger than. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I don't think it ever was a, I never viewed it as a hindrance mm-hmm. to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it feels like unless someone has their kind of brand associated with it or whatever, you know what I mean? Or they're just like, oh my God, I am consistently the, you know, the good looking leading man or Ted Danson. That's kind of Ted yeah, Danson. Yeah, yeah. Me, Ted Danson. <laughs> me, me and Ted <laughs> Danson too. Um, yeah, it sort of feels like you're like, Meh, just kind of roll with it. Um, yeah, I mean, it's like it's it is, and again, it's that kind of like it's another male privilege thing. It was like, yeah, we can go bald, no big deal. <laughs> Female actresses, no, you can't change. No. You can't. Um, of all the plays you did, what was your favorite play? Oh man, I mean, to not answer that question at least initially, I would say that what most people don't know about me was that I was really not comedy was not really my focus or what I was really, I mean, it wasn't that I couldn't do it or didn't do it. Um, but I was, I was way more into darker, grittier dramas Mm -hmm. playing really, really, really terrible, evil people. I have to say, I was going to mention my daughter and I saw you, we on this during pandemic, she went down this road of like watching criminal minds during lunch. (laughs) I just like, felt like we're like this, old couple watching their show but you popped up on it and yes. and, and she's like oh my gosh <laughs> it was you know for me i was like hey, he's an actor he's gonna pop up in other stuff but it really was kind of like a i had to reframe it a little bit you know right uh, you were great you know and then totally menacing and totally like, dark and stuff and i was like yeah this is a this is an adjustment yeah well i i think that it is an adjustment now for people i yeah but yeah. that was more and you know quite frankly uh, Rain Wilson and I knew each other. Uh, similar for him. Mm-hmm. I mean, I saw him be hilarious, um, but yeah, it wasn't that wasn't really our focus. And I think you know, in a lot of ways, the uniqueness of our specific ensemble on The Office was about kind of dramatically differing sort of experience and backgrounds all sort of doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. In other words, you know, it wasn't a, we weren't a bunch of stand up guys or a bunch of improv guys. You know, we had some improv, we had some stand up, we had some, you know, straight theater, you know, it, so it was, um, I, I think that, I think that helped. Yeah. It definitely supported like the ensemble motor of it. You know what I mean? Cause it really was like it, Every episode was like everyone was there. It is literally all about that group of people every time. Right. Um, how was that? So, you know, from the the British uh, version to the American version, a lot of sort of scrutiny 
for super fans or uh, people who know about it. But what you did with that character, I thought was really great. And and you made it your own completely. Yeah, totally. Did you, did they give you like an essence for that character of like, okay, here's, here's the kind of like the core of this guy. What's your take on it? Yes. They gave the core. I knew who it was based on. Mm-hmm. And then look, I, yes, early on, a lot of scrutiny, a lot of talk. I yeah. mean, it's funny now to kind of go back to those reviews, you know, that were fairly universal about how we were going to be an absolute disaster failure. Um, <laughs> right. And so there was a lot of that. But I think that, you know, the fundamental th- and when people ask about it now, and I don't mean this to dismiss the bridge at all, quite the contrary to me now, after both are done, it's it's an impossible comparison to make. And, the, and I am going to answer your question, but the where I go with that is, is that the British version of The Office, how I view it, I don't know if Ricky feels exactly the same way. He and I discussed it, but to me, it's a miniseries. Like, a, it's a classic mm-hmm. miniseries in the United States. And, and his character, after the 12 episodes that happened of that show, he had to be fired. I mean, he was right. just, ho- I mean, it was just horrible, which is not, doesn't make it bad. That's the story that they were telling. Right. And so... 12 episodes in American television doesn't make anybody any money and that's not going to happen. <laughs> so part of the huge change that happened on our show, well, two th- huge things. One was to expand the ensemble and to allow more uh, both depth of stories for different characters and, and just the ability to play off of more characters than sort of the central four or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the second thing was to make specifically Michael Scott uh, in the in the American version to make him more likable, which yeah. that was an evolution that happened because we needed to be able to have him be redeemable so that people so that he won't be fired after twelve episodes. They keep watching, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So so I made that point because I think. Part of what happened was we had we had a place we started, mm-hmm. and then as the writers started writing for us and getting to know us, and that was such a huge, huge, uh, unique um, characteristic of our show. The writers were so involved. I mean, Paul Lieberstein, Mindy Kaling, B.J. Novak, yeah. mm-hmm. um, Mike Schur who are not only all now superstars, they all acted in some way in the show, which Greg Mm. did to force them to interact with us on a daily slash weekly basis. Right. And they were learning behaviors. They were writing for behaviors as opposed to just jokes. And so people talk about the basketball episode. The basketball episode with Kevin being a good basketball player happens because Brian's a good basketball player. Uh And was fucking around in between takes while that was being shot. And so those little sort of like, you know, idiot savant maybe things about Kevin sort of changed and also sort of affected his, uh, well, let's just call it childlike aspects of his personality. So, So that sort of evolved as a way of wanting to, giving all the characters an ability to have their own stories or shine mm-hmm. in certain ways or have, you know, further develop their relationships, you know, with some people, you know, we talked about it, like, whereas Dwight was kind of Michael's punching bag. If you went one step further down on the idiot train there, might you might find Kevin there. Right. Um, so, and those things sort of developed um, mm-hmm. over time. Yeah. 
I actually, uh, at one of the transition points, it wasn't when Ed came in, but it was, I guess it was when uh, Corell was leaving and they were, uh, Zach Woods had come in and stuff and they were sort of like moving stuff around. I came in for like an interview and stuff. And I, I just remember I was like, what, am I auditioning? They're like, no, they're just going to talk to you and observe you and stuff. And it really was and I, I felt observed, and I, I don't think I did very well, <laughs> very well with it under a microscope. Uh, oh, that's crazy! It was, a, it was a little strange. I mean, I it, I had always I'd been auditioning for years, and and Allison Jones was always really cool, and and said they they like you and stuff. So I was honored to be there. But it was it was one of those things where like ah, oh, this is the closest I've gotten to the thing I completely want, and it just was it was strange. You know, it's, it it was. I was not used to as an actor kind of going in. I was like, so who are you? I was like, oh, no, wait, I, I want to hide in this character that you're going to give me, you know. <laughs> uh, so strange. And I think, by the way, to, to that point, I think that I've never really phrased it in this way before, but I think that was, well, it shows the greatness of the writers, but also mm-hmm. to give the actor some credit for that too, because I think like Oscar Nunez in some ways, Angela Kinsey, in some ways, uh, Phyllis Smith and Leslie David Baker. Not so much him, but, you know, those characters didn't exist in the British version, right? right. So they, they were, they came in because Greg wanted, uh, Greg Daniels wanted a larger ensemble. So I never really thought about that in terms of what you're talking about, the difficulty for you, but mm-hmm. um, having them really having to create and invest that character. I definitely had a starting point. In fact, the the audition notice for Kevin was, which again, I, I think over 10 years, this changed somewhat, but the, <laughs> oh the original audition was the only thing remarkable about Kevin is that he is remarkably unremarkable. <laughs> oh man. So that's hilarious. That's a dangerous note in a way. You know what I mean? It's like, I know. Well, that's what my manager joked about years later was like, no, you've got to see this guy. He's really unremarkable. Like he's, oh, he can he can play unremarkable, man. He is just unremarkable. This guy is wallpaper. Oh my yeah. god, Brian! I did a scene with you uh, on The Office years ago in the episode Scott's Tots. I deliver a cake and I have one line. I forget what I say, but I del- oh my god! So you delivered a cake to me? No, to the like the whole office was getting a cake for someone's birthday or something. Okay. And I just go in and I'm like, give him the cake. And then like, you guys are all around and you're like arguing about the cake. Right. And then I'm like, can I get a tip or something like that? That's what she said. <laughs> <laughs> but it was really fun. And it was super trippy because I just moved to LA and I've been watching the office forever. I mean, I'm sure we've all had these experiences before and um, to like go on the set and it's like all of you guys and you're like in character in your costumes and stuff. It felt almost more than anything I've ever done where I was like, I feel like I'm not acting. I feel like I'm in Dunder Mifflin right now. You know what I mean? <laughs> no, that is super cool. Um, yeah, I mean, that was really Greg Daniels and Ken Quapas. And that, um, I mean, think about this. We talk about this on the podcast, but the that when we started out the first season, okay, think about how Hollywood works and think about even just like bottom line budget, How what a nightmare this must have been. We would start arriving for the day. Uh, the women had it. If you were bald, it wasn't as much of a problem. <laughs> um, but at like 4, 4.30 in the morning, we so that all of us were ready by 7, 
And we all walked onto set and for 30 minutes worked. And they filmed us. Just at the at your station. Just sitting at the desk, making fake phone calls, passing <laughs> notes, files, uh, me doing the adding machine. So like a lot of the shots in like the opening credits or early on some interstitial stuff of just like typing on an adding machine or Dwight, uh, just thinking about this because of the opening credits, but like shredding papers yeah. or doing the copier. All of that was what we did. And and, and talking to Ken recently, it was, pilots often feel like they're brand new. Every, everything is new and shiny and different. And he was like, I, the most important thing for him was to make it feel like we had been there forever. Mm-hmm. Like that it had just existed in that time and place. But I, I uh, about your story, it's not, not that you do feel bad, but um, our editor told a story about Kathy Bates walking on set for the first time. And there's, you know, that sort of classic shot in the office where you walked in through that front door, walking yeah. up to reception and her first lines. Um, and I remember it, and but she talked about it a lot. Her voice was shaking. Like her, wow. her voice was like, so there was, I'm sure there was some, it never occurred to me, like really when we were doing it, I was like, wow, why does her voice sound like that? But that there was a thing about sort of walking in because there's no open walls. You don't see it until you literally walk on. You got to open a door and walk inside and then suddenly it's all set up. Yeah. And so when people like Ed Helms show up into that environment, it makes you shaky. You're like, stop recording. Oh my God, wait, the bubble is broken. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. It's also funny that the location you guys shot in, like I, I shot something about a week ago, uh, and they just use it as studios now, but it is not glamorous. Like that no, part of town no. is not glamorous. And I was kind was, of surprised by that when I was. Yeah, there. it's very. Uh, but I, you know, hearing about the the set design, very intentional. That's just fluorescent overhead lighting, equal all the way through. Which for the camera dudes must have been amazing. It's like great, we're ready to go every day. Yeah. Ready to go. <laughs> Lighting's no yeah. already. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, you know, I. I mean, for those of you who don't know, it's. They call it Van Nuys, the uh, which is a little city in the valley, but it's really Panorama City. Panorama, Panorama City. City. Panorama City. Which is a bit of a misnomer, but we'll go with it. <laughs> yes, but I tell you what, I think that I think that we lasted the early days when we were struggling the ratings. I think in part we lasted because we were there because I think that no one from NBC wanted mm-hmm. to drive from Burbank and. Uh, or Universal City and come out and see us because yeah. nobody wanted <laughs> to come there. And so we were on our own. And I, t- I tell you the thing that I, I mean, you know what? You don't have a, a commissary where you can go and have lunch with all of your other fancy friends on other shows or whatever. <laughs> but, you know, we were just we were just by ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so that, it, you know, it wasn't just that we were together so much on the set of Dunder Mifflin, but that, you know, there was nobody else on the lot. It was all just us. So yeah. everybody who was there yeah, just you guys. Uh, was working in some capacity on the show. And um, it, it was, uh, I, I think it, I think it ultimately helped us. That's cool. And by the way, it's against traffic. So <laughs> yeah, it's really, true. it's really that's not nice. that bad. Yeah. yeah. And when you get that, that sweet 4.30 AM start, Ooh. you're really beating the traffic. <laughs> there's, yeah. There's no issue. I'm Khalil Gibran Muhammad. And I'm Ben Austin. We're two best friends. One black. One white. I'm a historian. And I'm a journalist. And now we have a new podcast. It's called Some of My Best Friends Are. 
Like, I'm not a racist. Some of my best friends are... Dot, dot, dot. <laughs> so we grew up on the south side of Chicago together. <laughs> and here we are. Look, all grown up. I mean, look at you, Ben. You are this incredible writer and journalist. You've written for the New York Times, Wired Magazine, GQ. You know, you're, you somehow made it to Harvard. You know, from, from, from Kenwood to Harvard. And in this show, we're going to wrestle with the challenges and absurdities of a deeply divided and unequal country. Listen to some of my best friends are on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Peace to the planet. I go by the name of Charlemagne the God. My mama calls me Lenard McKelvey. See, I thought I just had a face for radio, then some good white people at Comedy Central gave me a new TV show called The God's Honest Truth. Won't God do it? And you know they couldn't contain my blessed black and highly favored ass to just 30 minutes once a week. Nope, I'm delivering extended sermons straight into your ears like a dollar store Q-tip. Plus, the check already cleared so I can say whatever the hell I want. Like, cracker ass cracker. See? Listen to The God's Honest Truth on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Robert Evans, and does it seem like everything's kind of falling apart? That's because it is. Uh, First off, climate change is hitting a lot harder than our most optimistic predictions had uh, anticipated, and that's leading to infrastructure falling apart. It's leading to uh, food and everything becoming more expensive. It's just going to cause a lot of continued problems and weird problems. Like, you know, remember when toilet paper wasn't available? That kind of weird. It's going to keep happening, and we're also going to continue our lurch into authoritarianism. And that can be kind of scary. But the good news is that when things start to fall apart, we all have an opportunity to replace them with something better, to build a new world from the ashes of the old. On my new show, It Could Happen Here, Monday through Friday, we'll chronicle the collapse, yes, but we're also going to talk to visionaries and thinkers who have ideas about what could replace it, and who are going out there in the world right now to try to build something better. So, listen to It Could Happen Here on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Talking bald, yeah! You're doing the deep dive uh podcast what is that like to kind of disseminate just a thing that you live through and you had an experience and a part of but to really kind of go back and and break it apart is it are you discovering anything from it about yourself or about the process like oh ton i mean truly tons yeah the idea behind it or my reason for wanting to do it was really about it's so difficult again for people to, if they weren't watching at the time or no, we were so, so, it's not like uh, exaggerated for dramatic effect. Like we were really almost canceled after the pilot. Mm-hmm. And then really after six episodes, we were dead. Yeah. And then after six more episodes, the first six episodes of season two, like Angela Kinsey, tell, I mean, she took the name off her door of the trailer like we were leaving and we weren't coming back i mean we were done and you know to go from that and then did you have like a champion at at the network or someone because i recently we were talking about like with uh seinfeld uh there was an executive was like put it on the line yeah kevin riley he basically put his job and ultimately still lost his job on the line for the show and and you know so part of what we're doing in this podcast is talking to him about Mm. like what was really happening there at the network during this time. And so, so we went from that, you know, to being the number one show on NBC at the time that worked really well in certain demographics. And we were a hit and we won Emmys and SAG awards and all that. But 
you know, we were still, we still somehow in a way felt niche in a way, mm-hmm. um, kind of, I don't know if it's counterculture. I, I don't know, but to go from that to now where based on any metric you can measure, we are the most watched show in television and we haven't filmed anything mm-hmm. in eight years. And, and, and it's not even close. Like all the new shows, all the hip, new, sexy shows that come out and people talk about or Friends or Seinfeld or any of those shows. It's, you know, 57.2 billion minutes streamed on Netflix. Oh, my God. Um, and, and that doesn't count Comedy Central or DVDs or any of that stuff. So, I mean, it's just so really for me, it was about why, like what? Truly, mm. like uh, for me, I wanted to uh, approach the the podcast in a way as almost like a true crime podcast where we oh, were wow. trying to answer a question, which is like, what happened? Was there something about the way that was constructed, the team that was assembled, the cast that was brought together? But like, why now is it surviving and people don't talk about it being dated or um, and, and and young people who we weren't making the show for? Why are they watching it? So. It really was a journey of discovery, this this process for me, and, and wanting to, to figure out the answers to some of those questions was really why I wanted to go back. And it turns out everybody was willing to join me on it. So from Kevin Riley, the executive at NBC, uh, directors, writers, crew members, uh, Steve Carell and, and the rest of the cast, you know, wanting to talk about that um, because I think, you know, their experience is the same. It's like... I mean, you guys know how it is. You know, it was difficult to walk through an airport before. Now it's just impossible. Mm. You know, I mean, it's that the show has just yeah. reached this level. And to bring it back to bald, oh, yes, for me particularly. I mean, I talk about Rain Wilson has a very distinctive head. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have a very distinctive head, and um, it makes it particularly difficult. To, yeah. to move about in the world now that the show has just caught such crazy level of fandom. Yeah. It's, it, it is insane. It's sort of, it's like, it's strange how streaming has kind of shattered the syndication model that, that you sort of hope for, you know, if you got on a show, you mean, but it, but in a, in a weird way that that's not guaranteed either. You know what I mean? You could still just like, it, it could, I know friends had it sort of like resurgence. Um, yeah. But the fact that it just, yeah, that it, I mean, because my daughter went through that whole thing. She like found the show and, and, and deep dived on it and stuff. It's become, it must be hard. It, yeah. I mean, I mean, it's the like 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. I mean, but starting as early as 12 with the kids mm-hmm. who are watching it in school and it, it becomes, I don't even know what the equivalent was. I don't think there was one really in, in our day because it's so much easier to consume now, right. I think, mm-hmm. in a way. But, it's it's like uh, it's almost like I think oh I never thought about it like this either but I think it's almost like for young people today kind of like what it was for the movies maybe when I was growing up like mm-hmm. this is a terrible example but like some movie comes out and like everyone has to see it well you have to go see it because that's what everyone is talking uh, about right and getting the jokes and telling the jokes from the movie and all of that 
I don't know that there was really a television show equivalent. I mean, there were great shows, Cheers and, you know, whatever. Yeah, because um, before there were, I mean, you know, they, it would be like the water cooler moment, the thing that right. w- you would end up rehashing. And I just, you know, for me in my age, uh, like the finale of MASH was a big touchstone, you know, episode. But yeah, for a whole series to kind of like become this whole new thing. It's interesting. We, I, Jake Johnson, the guy from New Girl. Yes. I was talking to him one time, and he was like, I don't know what happened in the run of our show, but at some point, their show transitioned to their base audience was tweens. Really? Like, he just, all of a sudden, this show that was sort of about, like, 20-somethings figuring it out became, like, that was their their audience. And so he, he said he would, like, go through the mall. And be like besieged by little gaggles of you know girls, and he was like, it, it felt weird. I did not like it. It was, it was very strange. Well, yeah. yeah, it's like you talking about the comparison of movies. Like I grew up in the eighties and nineties, and it, so The Office was like, what if Wayne's World came out every week? Because mm. you know those were the movies where it's like you can't wait to get on the playground and like do the bits with your friends from the movie. That's right. I yeah, I think there's I think that's a huge part of it, and then I think. You know, is, is obviously a huge credit to Greg Daniels, but the you know the relationship between Jim and Pam specifically mm-hmm. gave that dramatic uh, dimension that also people were talking about. And for me, the biggest thing that I feel like I've learned through the process of the podcast was, um, you know, when we were doing the show and we were struggling in the ratings, we had a a thing we talked about on set, which was like, okay. There's 200 million Americans work in offices, right? So if this show can appeal to 10%, 5%, like we've got a hit on our hands. Like that's, that's consciously like what we were talking about. And I think that what we unwittingly did uh, or, or what we didn't realize was how similar the parallel is between an unreasonable boss who makes his employees do unreasonable things uh, sitting next to people that they don't choose to sit next to in an (laughs) office for years and years, how that translates to an unreasonable teacher telling their students to do unreasonable things, sitting with the same group of people year after year. And so that, that comedic interaction and those character archetypes and those things really resonated in a way for an audience that quite frankly we weren't even we weren't even trying to get them right yeah. <laughs> which yeah. which by the way maybe says something or should say something to the networks about pandering like oh you know well if it's about young people we have to have young people and they've mm-hmm. got to be sexy yeah, and they have to yeah, do a certain absolutely. thing and yeah and talk a certain way and have certain you know tech equipment or whatever it's like no it's really about that fundamental character thing and interaction so the relationships you have yeah that was one thing my daughter cited was that she liked uh having a lead character that she kind of hate loved like steve (laughs) carell she's like i I, he's so frustrating and she was so delighted to have somebody that she was just like so frustrated with and, and and exasperated and and that you guys reflected that you know she's like she she did have that experience of like being in that office with you guys which was cool right that's cool yeah uh she did want to say that um the scene where you drop your chili yeah i don't know this scene but she's like ask him how he how he found uh the depth of anguish that he expressed in that scene (laughs) 
<laughs> she really, she's like, that scene where it's like, his chili falls, so heartbreaking, so heartbreaking. Well, like simultaneously, Brian, I'm impressed by your daughter and not by you. Oh, no, 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 of course uh, not. <laughs> for not knowing it. Yeah, I, I mean, that thing, um, I, I mean, I, yeah. I just, I mean, what it has done just in the cultural zeitgeist, um, how that moment, I mean, I, like I could never have even imagined. I mean, so much so that I can't post any, I could post a picture of a cat <laughs> and there would be not one, but dozens of people responding, don't put it in the chili. I mean, like <laughs> trying to find some way to associate yeah that. you should do an experiment where you post like try and see how far and bizarre you can get where people will still make chili comments oh no it's i mean it's not even intentional just i mean like me on a golf course it's like don't are you chili. making chili later or don't spill the chili out there metaphorically yeah. it's like oh boy but yeah That's so funny. yeah it's uh it's a crazy thing but you know i mean i think it does speak to one, the level of care that people had for all the characters on the show. And two, that, again, what I think that people respond to about the show is simultaneously the comedy and also the pathos that the that the, the characters show. And that's sort of the, the largest expression mm-hmm. of that. Oh, a guy who does one thing really, really well that he's incredibly proud of that he can't. He can't deliver. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think that's the thing about Michael Scott, like as we were talking about earlier versus David Brent is like, let's exclude the Christmas special where they redeem David Brent at the very last second, which I do like. But basically without that, David Brent's a bad guy. Right. Well, whereas Michael Scott is yeah. an inept kind of an idiot, but he's not like evil. You know, he doesn't yeah. have to hurt people. He's just inept. Yeah. <laughs> Man. Well, uh, I mean, the show is called Bald Talk, so I do feel like we should bring it back with just a just a little baldness. Copy just that. a, I mean, we had we had kind of a bald ex, like our emotions were exposed. Me, I'm rationalizing. Yes, that was bald for sure. But uh, we do uh, just to keep you informed because I know I know you probably get your Google updates on this and stuff. But we like to do bald news of the day. Okay. So we just want to see what's popping up in the news, uh, what's hot up top with no hair on it. Let me open up my file here. And we found that there's a consistent news story, news subject that comes up every time. What we do for this segment is we Google bald on Google News. Okay. Shout out to Google. Shout out to Google. <laughs> yeah, if you want to give us some money, we'll take it. Mm-hmm. Um, can you guess what comes up as the first thing every single time we've ever done bald news? Bald on Google News. Yeah. Correct. I don't know. I'm going to tell you. It's our national symbol. It's our bird. Bald eagles. Oh. So much. Every single time. There's <laughs> updates on bald eagles. A bald eagle was seen <laughs> near the grocery store. A bald eagle just gave birth. Right. It's not Dick Cheney. It's not anything. It's bald eagles. Right. It's not Putin. It's none of that stuff. <laughs> our bald news today. Uh, on the Google. I'll read the uh, while you're searching the, the the headline is bald eagles have differing and unique personalities. Right. This was on Wayne.com. <laughs> what is it? Wayne, Indiana. They have cameras set up to observe these bald eagles and they have a diverse range of personalities. They don't behave the same like many animals do. Yeah. That's, That's the whole story. <laughs> no, wait a second. No, wait a second. Wait a second. Wait a second. 
Is the purpose of this segment of your show to talk about bald eagles? No. No. We don't want to. We're trying every time. All right, listen to me. Listen to me. No, no, you have to. No, you have to change. (laughs) Oh, my God. I am such a producer. I am going to produce the hell out of this show. Oh, wow. This is what you have to do. Free service. You have no. You have to Google. I don't know what it is. Top stories or top people in in the news, and then you have to go through and determine whether or not that person is bald. Oh, that's good. Because I, I could be trending right now on Google, but very few news outlets are going to say bald man Brian Baumgartner bald actor <laughs> but we're also interested in the journalism that's out there that's focusing yes. on the word bald like where it we had that's, one well that's why I asked yeah we had one the other day that was about I, I don't know the name of the new um, Israeli prime minister who's sort of the super conservative but they had a thing that was focusing on uh, how he keeps his um, yarmulke. What is the? It's not a yarmulke. They had another name for it. it some other, but they were like, "How does he keep it on his bald head?" Was the whole story. Okay, like there was this big. You know, a man had to sit down and write a piece. Why doesn't about it that. slide off? Why doesn't it slide off? And why it's important <laughs> was the headline. Um, well, it's interesting because I thought you were going to. I if I had to guess, which I decided not to, but now for some reason I'm telling you, <laughs> I feel like the that LeBron James gets the most specific talk about his baldness yes, yes. than yeah, anyone does. else currently. Mm-hmm. He does. Yes. Either that, or you might also guess that uh, news stories focus on why your hamster has a bald spot, <laughs> you know, which pops up on pop sugar, pop sugar.com. That was the second item. Yeah. That's a good one. What to do when your hamster has a bald spot. And then this is probably going to break your heart. The lead singer of the wands uh, has revealed that he has alopecia. So we're going to have to get him on. Yeah, we got to get him on and see how it's changed his their musical direction as a result. Of Wait this. a second. I'm seeing oh, I'm seeing way different ones than you. <laughs> oh, completely. Yeah, it is the the science or like I the, have no the, idea. <laughs> picture this is more what you want to know about. Picture predicts how Prince Harry will look at 50 as hair loss accelerates. Wow. Yes. All right. So that one, I will say this. Where I think bald news of the day is a it's very relative because that came up last week too. That's right. So it Prince depends. Like, it says a week ago. Okay. Uh, yeah, and, and so then we get into the Google of it. All. Uh, what does it mean? Your Google is different than my Google. Why is Google sending me bald hamster spots? I yeah, know. I don't have a. Hamster. It looks like we got to use we got to use Bing. We got <laughs> we got to bring Bing back. Yeah, ask Jeeves. See what he says. <laughs> All right, Brian. It was lovely to have you. It was very fun. Yeah. Great to chat with you about baldness and then mainly a lot of other stuff, which was delightful. <laughs> Thank you, Brian. And uh, Charlie, good to see you again, Charlie, after all these <laughs> after years. After all these years. Yeah, it was like a decade ago or something. It was crazy. Uh, Brian, before we go, do you have anything you want to give a little plug or shout out to? We know you got the great podcast. Uh, anything else happening? No, I mean, I think that's it right now. We'll see. i I mean, I think I shot a movie, what, seven years ago that <laughs> still is not out? Oh, because of, so, uh, no, that's it. I, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm working hard on the podcast. Um, and uh, if you're if you have children, you should check out Trash Truck on Netflix. Oh, uh, right. I voice Walter the Bear oh, nice. there. And that's uh, I mean, it truly if you're a parent with small children has nothing to do with me. It's beautiful and uh, beautifully done. What and, is the, uh, what's the, is this sort of like four or five year old, two, three year old? Uh, I think it depends. I mean, there's a, there's a trash truck. So, it, yep. you know, 
but I guess the uh, I guess the little girls seem to to really like it as well. I think they sort of thought it was going to be for little boys, but it's it's beautiful. It's kind of a modern day reimagining of Winnie the Pooh. That's Aww. how I will describe it. That's awesome. It's it's beautiful. Yeah, very cool. And if you don't have kids, you likely are not interested, <laughs> but it's beautiful. Or maybe get stoned and watch it. And <laughs> yes, find, exactly. Find some nuance in it. Uh, all right, cool. Thanks, Brian. Thank you, guys. Yeah, do your thing, Charles. All right, thanks for listening, you baldies and you heroes out there. Please follow us on Instagram at baldtalkpod. Subscribe, download, rate, and review. And listen and enjoy. And Brian's going to tell you about Twitter. Oh, listen, there's a thing called Twitter that we are on. We are Bald Talk Podcast on Twitter, where we'll post links and, you know, not get into political debates with people. So <laughs> follow us there. It'll just be bald content. Just bald content. <laughs> all right. Thanks, y'all. Thanks for listening. Thanks, Brian, for being on. And thanks, everybody, for listening. Shave your head. Someone to talk to Brian and Charlie Have a hairless party They are all there to invite you No hairdos No shampoos Interviews Only on Bulldog Strawberry Spring Based on a short story By Stephen King is someone there? No, 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 don't! Help! There was a murder on the campus. Hello? Henry, have you heard the news? Yeah, just now on the radio. There was a murder on campus. spring Jack is back. Produced by Audio Up Media and iHeartRadio. Listen to Strawberry Spring on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I want to get back to kissing the cheeks of my grandbabies, making Sunday dinner with a house full of family and lots of laughs. (laughs) COVID-19 has changed how we live and how we feel. But now there are vaccines and they are the very first step that let us get back to what we miss most. It's okay to have questions. Is it safe? Should I wait? Now get the facts. Visit GetVaccineAnswers.org so you can make an informed decision when vaccines are available to you. Brought to you by the Ad Council. Hi, I am Rashawn McDonald, the host of Money Making Conversations podcast. Yes, I speak to celebrities, CEOs, and industry leaders. And yes, they do tell me the secrets to their success. And I help secure amazing guests on my show because I got relationships, including Tyler Perry, Stephen A. Smith, Lonnie Love, Cedric the Entertainer, Patti LaBelle, Nick Cannon, Angela Yee, and many more. This is Rashawn McDonald. Listen to Money Making Conversations on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts.